What the Actual Fork podcast is co-hosted by two intuitive eating registered dietitians, yours truly, Sammy Previtt, owner of Fine Food Freedom, and Jenna Warner, owner of Happy Strong Healthy. We can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real. Our mission is for all humans to believe that they are made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. We are also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again. Although we are medical professionals, we are human beings too. We are not afraid to share our deepest, darkest secrets and how many years of our lives were taken by diet culture. We started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So get comfy and join us for a casual combo where you can expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow. We are so grateful that you're here. So if you enjoy this podcast and want to connect further, we invite you to follow along on Instagram at what the actual fork pod and subscribe rate and review our podcast so we can continue to share this message with more and more people. Now let's get into it. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the What the Actual Fork podcast. For your intro only today, you have just me, Jenna Warner. Um, We had an amazing guest on this episode today, and Sam and I and our guest, who I'll introduce in a sec, just had so much fun talking. The conversation took so many incredible turns um, that we ran out of our recording time, and I am solo recording your intro today, but not to fear, the episode itself has myself, Sam, and our incredible guest, Lauren Cadillac, the feel-good dietitian on today. And this is actually Lauren's third time on the podcast. In the episode, we say it's her second, but I looked it up. It's actually her third. Um, And it was by far my favorite conversation that we've had with her yet. And I will dive more into that into a sec- in a second, but I actually wanted to give a what the actual fork moment of my own um, that I just experienced after getting off of a call with a client that I needed to share. So this client of mine who I absolutely love and adore, and I will not reveal anything more than that about this person, but she is getting married and had a recent experience at the seamstress um, that startled her a little bit that got her upset the seamstress made comments about her body and things that the in the seamstress opinion that would make the seamstress's job easier if she did or didn't do um and it had a big impact on this client's mental health for the moment and the impact of the experience and what i'm so proud of this client for is because of the work that we have been engaging in um not only did she feel safe enough, which I'm so grateful to come to me and share the experience so I could like go all out with my response to her. But she took an extra step and set a boundary with the the dress fitting office or the place, the manager, and actually gave them a phone call and let them know how much that experience could have potentially hurt her. And the experience, if somebody else experiences it, how much it could potentially hurt someone else. Um, And she made a phone call and expressed concern and expressed concern for her daughter who was in the room um, listening to this woman go off about things that just are so inappropriate. Um, And she actually was able to create change for future human beings. And for that, I am so freaking proud of her, but also just goes to show the impact of what a food freedom journey can really do for you, for the people that you love and for other people in this world in ways that like don't necessarily, that you don't necessarily expect. And I think like that's the coolest thing about being in this messy middle of a space um, in nutrition where you don't have a clear cut picture of what your outcomes are going to be, your goals, um, that you achieve along the way. You just are constantly surprised, I think is the best way to put it. 
And when these wins happen and when these achievements happen, the ability to pause and say like, wow, the old me would have handled that so differently. And I'm so proud of myself for where I am today is so incredibly freaking powerful that I just like need it stopped me in my tracks yesterday. And I'm I'm so happy that she shared the experience with me so that I could share it with you. So if there's a place, whether it's your doctor's office your dress fitting, um, you know, any place in your life where there's a boundary that you could set that could protect you, your mental health, your happiness, and the future health and happiness of other people. I hope this encourages you to do so because my goodness, was she brave and strong to do this and set the stage for so many other people who could potentially have had a different outcome from that experience. So to you, if you're listening, I am so proud of you and so grateful for just you sharing that with me and my ability to now share it with other people. Which brings me into our episode for today. My goodness, was this an emotional one? Um, they, we did talk about towards the end of the episode, we talk a little bit. So trigger warning about pregnancy complications. Um, we talk about pregnancy loss. We talk about IVF. We talk about, um, you know, things that are unexpected in pregnancy, like the funny stuff as far as like what's happening to our bodies, but also the serious things um, that you don't ever expect. And me personally, I share my own experience this second time around um, of things that I didn't expect um, and things that I'm currently battling and dealing with as a pregnant human being, um, that I never expected to. So if you are not in a space right now where those things would be serving you on the journey that you're on or where you currently are in your journey, definitely skip this episode. Um, because we want to protect your mental energy, your mental health and your overall health as our primary goal. So. You can come back to it another time because it really is filled with so much joy, so much excitement. There's some exciting news that's shared on this episode um, and just such insight from three human beings who have all had very different experiences in the family planning space um, and being able to bring lots of different perspective, lots of different, again, experience, lots of different just overall comedic relief and also emotions into this conversation. And for that, I'm really so grateful that Sam and I had the opportunity to interview Lauren Cadillac, registered dietitian, um, for the third time on this podcast. She is just such an incredible human being, one that I definitely look up to in the nutrition space and world. I love Lauren's take on nutrition. I love the way she shares education. I love the way she shares her story. Um, and if you don't already know who she is, please make sure that you go follow her at Feel Good Dietitian on all the main platforms. Um, and from her website, I'm just going to read a little bit more about her. If you don't already know, Lauren is an eating disorder recovered registered dietitian, certified intuitive eating counselor, certified personal trainer, and most importantly, dog mom. Um, she takes a health at every size approach and focuses first on feeling good, improving energy, sleep, digestion, mental health, and relationship with food. As a certified intuitive eating counselor, she helps clients break free of the diet cycle and eat without guilt or shame, applying the 10 principles of intuitive eating, and her clients are able to tune back into the intelligence of their body to achieve authentic health health. <laughs> um, she offers virtual one-on-one -on -one and small group coaching for clients all over the world. And she also offers like incredible travel opportunities within her program as well, um, which are so fun to watch. So without further ado, I don't want to keep you a, a second longer from this episode. If you found this episode helpful, the content helpful, or any of our episodes helpful at all, we would so appreciate a review specifically on Apple Podcasts um, or anywhere that you listen to our podcast rating reviewing the episode helps us get more helps us get more help to more ears into the podcast more listens and more reach to more people so that we can continue to help all of you wherever you are on your journey to food freedom so without further ado let's get into it enjoy this episode today i don't even know is this the third second second Second. 
Second time when we Second have time. the amazing Lauren Cadillac with us today. And we're so excited. We can't even decide what we want to talk about. So Lauren, <laughs> hi, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me again. Since you've been on, I really think it's three times, but I guess it's two. Were, were you on drunk dietitians? I don't even like saying the name. I, I Jenna's like was. whispering, like it's not going to come out on the podcast. Like, were you on drunk dietitians? <laughs> you know, I was thinking about that this morning as I was like <laughs> thinking about our conversation and I, I was like, oh yeah, it used to be called that. And I think it was like 2020. So like, yes. <laughs> so then, yeah, you were, you were on the old school pod of ours. Well, so back then we did the this or that, but today we, our new thing is to ask all of our guests if they have have a moment that they can think of, whether it's related to nutrition or not, honestly, in person, on social media, whatever it is that has made you stop in your tracks and say, what the actual fork? Hmm. Wow. <laughs> You're like, no, <laughs> the, the brain isn't as sharp during this you time know, of I was your life. That. I was it's like, true. I do a lot of podcasts. I think I have like four or five set up like between last week and next week. I'm like, my brain is not operating at a hundred percent. Um, what the actual fork? I, uh, I mean, I can give you one for you if you need help. Cause I feel like you've been crushing the nineties content. Um, just about like all the things in our childhood that have shaped the current generation's relationship with food and body today. Like when you posted the Tinkerbell one, for example, my mind was blown. I'm like, I mean, that was from like when I was young, young. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I would watch that and like not even know what was happening, but like it was part of my brain at that point, like is just mind blowing. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> had, uh, Victoria Garrick on, I hope I'm saying her last name right. I know that she had posted something about that like Yo Play commercial where it was like the teeny weeny bikini and like you hung it up on your fridge as motivation like that was the commercial but I feel like at this point I've posted so many of those that maybe I'm just like like it's more of a side than like what an what the actual fork because <laughs> like you look back and you're like wow everything really was so just steeped in diet culture that at this point it's not even like surprising anymore I was gonna say nothing surprises us anymore yeah. right like when you're scrolling on TikTok or what Instagram or you see a commercial it's just like oh, we're still doing this? Mm -hmm. Like this is still going on? So I know you live in Florida, Sam. But sure I do. Sure I do. live in New Jersey and it's pretty hot here. And like us, this part of the East Coast, people are just like not used to the humidity. Um, But I like have this like win of a story that I need to tell you about. And if anybody else can relate to not liking to sweat while they sleep, um, I have a solution for you. So two nights ago, maybe when it was like 97 degrees outside, um, I was wearing my cozy earth PJs and sleeping on my cozy earth sheets. And it was the first time that I did double. So it was the first time that I was this hot double at nighttime and double down on my cozy earth. And I did not have to like stick my leg outside of the blanket to like cool off you know the feeling, right? Sure In the do. middle of the night because I was sweating so much. And I really believe it wasn't because the AC was turned down any lower and it wasn't for any other reason than the quality of the temperature regulating magic of cozy earth. I don't know another word to use for it. I was going to say you're not a scientist with bed sheets, but it is magic. And what it's I love magic. about it, I love that they're luxury too, because I feel like things that are usually so functional aren't luxury, but they are just chef's kiss Great of point. sheets. We are very, very big fans of cozy earth here. So Cozy Earth has provided us with an exclusive offer for our listeners. If you want 35% off site-wide, you can use the code FORK. Again, that is 35% off site-wide for all Cozy Earth products. That's their jogger sets, their PJs, their sheets, all the things. So use code FORK and send us a DM of what you purchase because we are simply obsessed. Simply the best. <laughs> Let's drop the bomb the other direction of give our listeners a surprise announcement of something exciting you have to share with us. I am pregnant. 
Yes. We're so excited. Oh, two, two pregnant ladies on the pod. I love it. I love it. So I feel like we have to talk pregnancy today. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I was telling Jenna and, and you, Sam, uh, before we hopped on that I've been watching Jenna be pregnant on TikTok and Instagram and everything. And like she'd obviously announced it and been talking about it and I haven't been yet. And, but I've been wanting to say something because we're so close. I think we're like three weeks apart or something. So you've hit this so well. (laughs) I'm like burping and (laughs) like half dressed on this podcast today with all of my hormones. I also like feel like the last five times we've recorded, I have Instacarted or a smoothie to my door because this is all I want to (laughs) eat. Do you have any cravings right now? Um, it's weird, but like cheddar cheese, I don't know why, yes. just like those, mm. there's like salty, mm-hmm. yeah, like salt, like dairy. I'm craving a lot of dairy for some reason. Um, I haven't had a ton of food aversions, thankfully, but mostly just cheese and that's kind of it. And that's, I want to further explain my brain not working at a hundred percent on it before. I couldn't think of anything. I feel like I'm just, you know, not quite as sharp due to the pregnancy or I'll just blame it on, I'll blame every negative thing on pregnancy. It's the truth. Somebody said to me once, just think that even if you're doing nothing, your body's working at like 80 or 90% capacity because it's growing a human. I was like, thank you. (laughs) It's so true. And it's like, but as females, specifically three of us being female entrepreneurs too, it's like when you're sitting there doing nothing, I remember during pregnancy thinking like, I'm not doing enough or I should be doing more. I need to be prepping like before the baby comes, but it's like, no, literally sit down and grow a child and kick your feet up. I had a moment of that yesterday where I was so tired and thankfully I had, I was done pretty early yesterday and it was like four o'clock and I'm like, you know what? The time that I have left to just be able to take a nap uninterrupted, like is is fleeting. I'm like, I'm going to take advantage of this like while I can, because in a couple months, like I will not be able to do that. So I'm going to enjoy myself now. <laughs> that is amazing. Yes. 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 We're both like, yes. You're take, like, that's your like, take the nap, mama. Take the nap. And I, wor- I will say that this second time around, I've been napping a ton because I'm finally two and a half years later listening to the advice of sleep while the baby sleeps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, but it took me a long time to get there. Um, so any chance that you can, I fully agree. <laughs> yes. Well, actually hearing you say that makes me think, Sammy, I think you posted something about like, I'm sorry to everyone that I ever gave advice to before I had a kid. And now that I have a kid, like it's so different. Like, I feel like I'm about to have a lot of those moments of once my whole life changes, I'm going to realize like maybe my recommendations will shift a little bit or I'll think about things differently. (laughs) And that's like anything in life, right? And probably the same stands true for pregnancy. Like if, you know, thinking about before I ever fell pregnant or had a child, like when we'd have pregnant mamas come into the office and talk about being tired, like I thought I understood what they meant, but it's like, no, we don't understand (laughs) until you go through it. And that's, I feel like that's life. But I would love to hear... I mean, Jenna, you might be able to kick this one off because I know you're very open about your pregnancy right now online. So you might be getting a lot more of these because Lauren hasn't gone public yet. I would love to make this like a pregnancy, just rapid fire questions for all of our listeners who are pregnant so we can point them in one direction. So Jenna, is there any one question that's coming up for you first that you're getting or seeing all the time right now? I think the one thing, and it's so funny because my cousin was over yesterday and she like asked me, she's like, can I touch your belly? And I was like, of course, because I was wearing something like this because this heat is just out of control. And she was like, do people come up to you in public and like ask you that? And I was like, I don't think so, because I think I've made it very, very clear on social media that like, I'm just not interested in talking about my body or like anybody making comments on it. But I do think that it's very common especially in first time pregnancy for like people to take advantage of that, right. To like make the comments, to ask you the uncomfortable questions, to touch you inappropriately, right. When you start showing. Um, And I'm curious if that you've come across that at all from anybody that does know. Right. Well, I think similar to you, I like the people in my life know what I post online. Like they follow me, they see my messaging. So I think that uh, on one hand, they probably 
either just wouldn't say anything or know not to say something. But I also feel like one, I work from home a lot. It's not like I'm going into an office and I'm around like, I don't think I'm not around people because that sounds really sad, but like I'm home most of the day, you know, and I feel like I've only, um, you know, everyone carries the baby differently and looks differently. And, um, I don't want to say just started showing, but I feel like it's now like more, um, visually obvious. And so I, but I still feel like I'm in that phase where people, it's not like, you know, when someone's like 37 weeks pregnant, it's like very obvious. Like I'm kind of in that in between where like, I, I, you know, I'm showing, but I'm also, I think people are, would be kind of hesitant to say anything. So I personally haven't really gotten much, but I would, what I would say is like, I get more of like people sharing their stories. And sometimes that comes with like, well, I gained this or I lost that. And I could fit into these jeans or like just sharing their own stories and things that like, I don't really need to hear like, or no. And I know people don't mean anything by it. People just want to, you know, connect. And like, that's how people bond and, and talk and all of that. But I will say just, it opens the door for a lot of it's just like the perfect storm for body comments, for food comments. Yeah. <laughs> Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I think that's like perfectly said because I think one of the, the hardest things, actually, I know Sam and I have two different experiences on this. And I chose in my first pregnancy to not engage in any of that or research anything. And I was like dumbstruck when the baby came. Mm. <laughs> and I know Sam wasn't like the complete opposite, but she had talked to me and she like researched like, took courses and shit. Yeah, like, yeah. All the things. It was like so much like more prepared and like engaging in those conversations that we have totally different postpartum experiences. But I think that's also part of the difficulty or the challenge of pregnancy and social media is the comparison, which we kind of chatted about a little bit before we started recording. But this second time around, even if I'm just comparing myself to my first pregnancy, it has been very mentally exhausting for me. Mm. Um, And I'm curious as a first time pregnant human, if you're experiencing any of that or Sam looking back, if you can relate to any of that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I feel very fortunate that I haven't had any uh, symptoms that have been too debilitating. I mean, I've been tired and especially in the first trimester, I had a lot of fatigue, but I feel like I'm I'm 21 weeks as we're recording this right now. And I feel pretty good. Most days I feel kind of like how I felt before I got pregnant. Um, but I think there's a lot of, like you said, the comparison and just anxieties starting to flow of like, am I prepared enough? Am I thinking about this too much? Am I not thinking it enough? Like business-wise, we are in different situations than people that work for a company might be where they have maternity leave. And so there's kind of questions around that. Um, It's just kind of one big big anxious storm. Sam, what do you think? I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, my situation was a little different where we were trying for so long and because we went through IVF and had a scheduled transfer, obviously IVF is not a guarantee, but we like, it was very planned. It wasn't like a surprise for us. And we had been wanting it for four years by the time she was born. So there was a lot of time to plan and prep. Um, but I, I think for me, I, I felt, and I know Jenna, we've talked a little bit about this before on previous pods. I think I felt, and I'm going to go back to this for you, Lauren, after 
I want to ask how your relationship with your body, like the work that you've done on your own relationship with your body, how that's been during pregnancy and how you think that would have been, you know, five years ago, seven years ago, if that version of you fell pregnant then. So I was very fortunate for coming to the intuitive eating work and doing a lot of body image work before. I think we're going to have to have you back for a postpartum part (laughs) three, your your third episode, because I think that's where what Jenna was talking about with all the prep. I think during my pregnancy, I was taking breastfeeding courses and sleep training courses. And that was setting me up for my anxiety, anxiety spiral postpartum, because we don't know what we don't know. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, I think I just was like, okay, well, if I learn all of the things, then I will like know how to do everything. And it's like, surprise. Sure. You can be educated and take courses and like be informed, but until that baby is there, and of course, every baby's different. Every postpartum experience is different. I think I definitely had a lot of postpartum anxiety. And I wouldn't say it's all because of the research I did, because I think some of it was helpful. Yeah. But um, I think the best advice I can give to you is every stinking thought that you've learned with intuitive eating and trusting your body and trusting your intuition, everything parallels with that in motherhood. But I thought that would come easier to me because it's like, oh, I trust myself. I trust to be, you know, my body to tell me. And, but then it was like with motherhood, I was like, oh, okay, but not that. Like, I don't trust myself there. So that's been such like a learning curve of trusting myself in motherhood too. Mm -hmm. So I just went so many directions with that, but I would love to circle back to your body image. I do want to just recognize and feel free to add on to this. We are three thin white women. So just kind of stating our privileges that our experiences being pregnant are going to be vastly different than someone who resides in a larger body. So bringing that into the conversation, but how has your body image been? And I, again, I know you're, you're at 21 weeks now, so there's still, you know, some to go, but how has that looked for you? And how do you think that would be different like 10 years ago, if you were pregnant? I was just thinking about that in the shower this afternoon. (laughs) I was thinking how grateful I feel to have done some of that work before getting pregnant because I'm sure we've all experienced, you know, like witnessing your body changing and like everyone's body changes throughout their life. But this, I I was thinking if anyone has ever had a dog, like it, it feels similar to you get this puppy and it's almost like every day you wake up and you look at them and you're like, you look bigger, you look bigger. <laughs> it's kind of how I feel myself where I'm like every day I feel like, okay, I, I need a new this, or I need a new that, or this doesn't fit anymore. Like my body's just changing much more rapidly than it's ever changed in the past. And it's almost like your, your brain's body image and what's reflected in the mirror, like they can't keep up because it's changing so quickly. It's like your eyes almost can't adjust. Um, so it, you know, it's challenging, but I, it's nowhere near as hard as it would have been had I gotten pregnant, say during my bodybuilding years, I don't even know if that would have been biologically possible at the time, but I just, I, can't even imagine. I think I'd be crying every single day. You know, most of the body image stuff now just comes from uh, discomfort of like clothes not fitting, specifically bras is is very like irritating. And I mean, that happens whether you're pregnant or not, right? Like if your clothes aren't fitting, that can be a huge body image trigger. Um, But I think had I not done the work that I had done leading up to this, I would have been in a much uh, worse mental health state as it relates to body image. And then as it relates to food, I feel like, um, I feel like what happens for a lot of people is, you know, if you haven't done the work to heal your relationship with food, there might still be like food rules or, or shoulds or guilt and shame around food. And people can see pregnancy as this, like, now there's nine months of permission, but only nine months. Right. And like, okay. Like a hall pass. Yeah. It's like a hall pass for like a limited period of time. And like, Prior to pregnancy and after pregnancy, as I'm sure both of you feel like, I can have what I want when I want, right? Like 
taking into account how food makes me feel and all of that stuff. So it doesn't really feel like this is the only period of my life that I can go get uh, McFlurry or like ice cream or whatever, you know, like I could get that before I got pregnant. I can get it tomorrow. I can get it in three months, whatever. And so I feel like that has um, allowed me to just like honor what my body is telling me, like to continue to do that. I was doing that before and I'm doing it now. Um, so I, I just, again, I feel really grateful to have done that work, but I was actually talking to someone else about this, how I feel like something about pregnancy allows people to tap into intuitive eating a bit more easily because there's this other being that they're now caring for. And it's like, well, I want to make sure that this baby is getting what it needs and, you know, it, I'm hydrated and I'm taking care of it. And it almost feels like it uh, makes it a little bit easier on that front, but caring the relationship with food, with like the body changing, it's tough. It's really, it's really tough. And as you mentioned, Sam too, like I live in a very, very privileged body. And so this is all coming from a very privileged person and everyone's experience will be very, very different, unfortunately, depending on the body they live in. I love and can echo everything that you said. And something that I just want to add on to it too, is when we think about, and I've worked with a lot of women, like a lot, especially more recently, which I think is interesting where people are panicked about that first, if you come from diet rules, right? There's this like sense of panic in that first trimester when like you can't eat anything but bread and maybe some cheese, right? Like I think I lived off of like mac and cheese, grilled cheese, cheese and crackers. Like those are like my two food groups, right? But I remember from like a personal space and also with the women that I have worked with, like the panic quote unquote of feeling like I'm not eating, you know, all my food groups or my colors or what is the baby going to do? But is it really stemming from, is it for the baby or- panic from losing or leaving those food rules behind. Right. And so something that I think has been really, really helpful to the clients that I've worked with. And also for myself too, as a reminder is like your baby is getting everything that it needs from you. And if you can just continue to listen to your body and eat what feels good in those moments, like that is the best thing that you can do for yourself. And like to layer onto that right now for me, like As an intuitive eater prior to pregnancy and will be post, food sucks right now. (laughs) I hate it. Like (laughs) I'm forcing myself to eat because I know I need to, but like nothing sounds good. Everything sits like right here and I'm not even in my third trimester yet. So I can't even see, like, I can't even imagine like where this is going, (laughs) but it's like you understand the importance of convenience foods and fast foods. And like you just said, foods that feel really good to you now. And unfortunately for me, I was like pumped to be pregnant in the summer. I'm like, I'm going to get ice cream every single day. Like I live right down the street from my favorite ice cream place. And like, now I go and I'm like, this hurts. <laughs> like, it's like I'm getting like the gas pains from it. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like really learning to, to, what's the right word to like give in to what your body is asking for and like be present for, I think is like such a powerful thing. And like the opposite way that intuitive eating can really teach us like throughout this journey. Um, And now I'm like, when I'm not pregnant anymore, I can't wait to eat ice cream every single day. <laughs> like Such a bummer. I mean, I'm still eating it, but it's just like not as enjoyable as I thought it was going to be. Right. Right. <laughs> well, especially what you were saying with like, in the first trimester, I hear that from a lot of people that wasn't personally my experience that like, again, I haven't really had food aversions, which I kind of feel like a jerk for even saying, cause I know that some people are like, you know, they're t- totally turned off from food and like can literally only eat like bread and like nothing that has a lot of like strong flavor or anything like that. But like you said, if you have some type of belief about eating bread or eating cheese or mac and cheese or whatever, that can be a really hard thing. Cause it's like, on one hand, this is all I feel like I can tolerate. But on the other hand, I feel like I should be doing X, Y, and Z. And so it can probably be super distressing for people. 
Yes. That. And then I feel like that parallels with when you were speaking about how grateful that you've done the body image work. I know like us three saying that we have a, can take that into context and kind of know what that means. But for listeners, I think it comes back to simply what are your beliefs about bodies, right? Because you've unpacked that right with, with your body image journey, where you understand that smaller bodies, larger bodies, doesn't matter the size of the bodies. Jenna, I feel like I'm reading the book. Bodies are cool. Like big, small body. Yes. So, um, shameless plug to bodies are cool by Tyler. Yes. Um, you got to get that book, Lauren, for your babe. Um, we'll, we'll send you the link, but <laughs> I started like saying it. I was like, I feel like I'm, I'm saying the book because I read it every day as well. Um, but I think going back to that, what I was saying is the beliefs that you hold about bodies. So whether you're pregnant, whether you're not pregnant, doesn't matter because if your body is getting bigger, your worth is not tied to body size. And Cause I got that question all the time while I was pregnant on podcasts, you know, and I would, and people would be like, well, do you struggle? Do you struggle? And it's like, well, no, because it doesn't matter if I'm pregnant or not. If my body's getting bigger, that has nothing to do with my worth and being so grateful to come to that work. And like you said, do that work before falling pregnant and carrying that into your postpartum time. Because I think pregnancy, I thought pregnancy was going to be harder not harder isn't the right word it's fucking hard but I think looking at postpartum versus pregnancy and I'm so thankful for Jenna and the the women who had these conversations publicly that got me ready for postpartum of like holy fuck this is where the healing has to happen physically mentally emotionally hormonally yeah I've Um, heard that as well and I think a lot of that has to do with Um, well, obviously like your hormones are kind of all over the place, but Mm -hmm. as we've all seen, like a pregnant body tends to be celebrated. It's like, Oh, it's so cute. And you have a bump, blah, blah, blah. blah. And then all of a sudden, like you give birth and you know, you still have a bump, but there's no baby in there. And then suddenly there's all these different feelings about it. Um, but I also love what you were saying, Sam, too, with like your worth, not being tied to your size, but something that I'm sure you both talk about with your clients too, is this idea of just like the body neutrality where, even if you don't, um, like I'm finding for me, it's not that I'm feeling like my worth is diminishing as I get larger. It's just that like, again, that body discomfort, it's like, I still feel worthy, but I'm so damn uncomfortable in my body. And like, what kind of things can I do to honor and show my body respect getting a different bra? Um, I like, got this like lotion that I kind of put on that helps. I, my skin's been super dry, you know, like asking my husband for back rub, like things that like show your body respect, regardless of how you're feeling about it, you know? And I think, um, that can be a helpful, like, mm, like more of a realistic destination for people where it's like, Hey, you know what? Like, I'm going to feel great about my body some days and terrible other days, but like, I'm just going to show it respect. I know that I'm worthy. I'm uncomfortable, but I'm going to show it respect. (laughs) I love that. That's such a great point because you can think you're worthy, but discomfort is valid, right? Pain is valid. (laughs) Being short of breath, getting off the couch is valid. Like those are all valid things. Even though we're just talking on a podcast, not tied to body size. (laughs) Yes. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Um, another thing I wrote down while you guys were talking 
and Lauren, I would love to hear if you have any funny ones that have made you like laugh out loud recently. But when, when I was pregnant, like I was on pregnancy TikTok, you know, cause that's what you're engaging in. <laughs> but I remember seeing like all the ones of, it was a trend back when I was pregnant of like a cute little, like newborn looking up at mom on the camera and being like, when you've ate like fire hot Cheetos for 12 months and then created this cute little baby and just showing like whatever your pregnancy craving was, whatever you could eat, like it still creates an amazing human. Doesn't matter the nutrient density. You're going to make this amazing human. Yep. Yep. Um, I've been seeing some really funny ones. They're more like people complaining about pregnancy, but like, it's hilarious because I feel like we were talking uh, before we hopped on, like a lot of times people are only posting like all the good stuff and, you know, you, you need to see like the reality of things, but, um, you know, just one talking about how she didn't expect, you know, to, like you said, get out of breath talking or for her like nipples to grow. <laughs> like these Wait, things. let's talk, let's talk crazy symptoms that you guys didn't expect. Just start rattling them off and I'm going to start writing some down because do we've all experienced follow, different things. Do you follow Indy Clinton, either of you on social or on TikTok? What, she's no. like a Indy Clinton, she's a model that has a son who's my Noah's age, who's like two and a half, almost three, and he's wild, just like Noah. That's why I started following her. And she has a six month old and she just found out she's pregnant again. So she just did a TikTok on, um, you know, the wildest things that she, I can't even say this with a straight face because I always think about my mom listening to this podcast. <laughs> but she said one of the things that she was experiencing this time, her third time around that has never happened to her before. And I thought I was alone in this. I've never said this out loud, but she said her vagina like swelled like in the first trimester and like the her like trimester. first and second, like her okay. labia were like super swollen and just like it hurt to like ride a bike or like sit down. And I was like, holy shit, I feel so balanced. <laughs> you and your swollen labia. about this before, but like, wow, was that normal? Like, that's amazing. <laughs> There are so many of those things. I have a like a bunch of my friends right now are pregnant or like just had kids. And so I feel like I'm texting them a lot. Like I've been getting like a rash under my armpits and I'm like, is it the deodorant? I'm like, no, I think it's from pregnancy. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I had discoloration in my armpits. I don't remember yep. if it was my end of pregnancy or postpartum, but it definitely went into postpartum and they were like so discolored. And that's like a huge hormonal thing. Apparently. How about the way you smell? Oh my God. I smelled. I stink. Terrible. <laughs> well, that was postpartum. I smelled terrible. I smelled terrible. Months. <laughs> Thank I've you, been Lumi. trying to use like Tom's deodorant or something. And I was like, this isn't going to cut it. Like I need something stronger. Yes. Oh. Other things that I experienced too, that like, I, I know people have talked about them, but I just, I didn't know that I was going to experience these things. Um, One was like the terrible calf cramps in the middle of the night. I don't know if you guys experienced that. I forget oh. if that was like second trimester. I would wake up and like scream in the middle of the night. Like, mm. like imagine like when your calf gets so tight and you like can't bend your foot. I don't know if that's ever happened to yes. you, but yeah. it would happen so bad. I added magnesium in though with a sh and made sure I was like very hydrated and that helped. Yep. Yeah. Um, but that got bad. And then near the end of pregnancy, definitely third trimester, colostrum was just spewing out of me. And I did not know that like your nipples could leak before the baby came. So I was like, Am I going into labor? Like what's happening? But like just straight and like I had never breastfed. I never had a baby. So I was like, what is this? Like they were just leaking. Oh my so, god. Everything breastfeeding nipple related is like not freaks me out, but like that is what I'm most scared for. I know. Don't be scared. It's like it, it's it, wild. You, it's you wild. figure it's wild. it out. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's fucking crazy. Crazy. My nipples were really, really tender. Yes. And like buzzy for yeah, you use that on a podcast. You're like yeah, buzzing nipples. Buzzing I was nipples. like, I don't know what buzzing means, <laughs> but maybe it, next time. It would be, you know, like for you, Sam, like when the baby would be ready to breastfeed and like you weren't and your nipples yes. would like sting. I had that in like the early second trimester. It's gone away, thank yeah. God. But they would just like 
<laughs> like, 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 and then stop. And I'd be like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> like, I feel like I want to quote um, Freckled Foodie Cameron Rogers every time. Like, what the fuck is happening to my body? Because she yeah. went absolutely viral for that series when she was pregnant. But like, it's so true. Like, just so, so, so true. I think something that's helped me so much is like, I tried so hard the first not necessarily so much the first time I was pregnant because I didn't go anywhere. This is my first pregnancy, like being out in public because I was like, it was so COVID when I was pregnant with Noah. Um, But I tried like so hard at first to like, you know, wear like the pregnancy clothes that I thought would be right for my body. And then like something that's helped me so much is just really focusing on comfort and stop giving a flying fuck like you can see today what anybody thinks about like what it is that I'm wearing like it's hot it's uncomfortable I feel like Rachel from Friends when like she walks out in that like crop top and they're like you sure you want to wear that and she's like oh I'm like whatever um but like that has been a huge help for me because being comfortable is the only thing you have control over right like we don't have control over anything else in our pregnancy at all right now and your partner as much as I'm sure he wants to understand and is so supportive as I know you guys have an amazing relationship like they have no fucking idea what it's like to grow a human Mm. and like every time my husband has like a cough I'm like I'm pregnant like pump the brakes okay (laughs) like like, don't Don't talk to me I'm pregnant (laughs) I have a headache I'm like I'm pregnant okay (laughs) I don't give a fuck I'm pregnant (laughs) Go to the basement. Walk away. <laughs> Go to the basement. <laughs> Out of my face. But like, there's just, I walked downstairs in like white pregnancy jeans the other night and like a tank top. And Matt was like, You sure you want to wear white tonight? I'm like, Are You sure you want to continue that sentence? Like, sure you want to keep talking? Like, <laughs> these are the only pants that fit right now. And yes, I'm going to wear them. Yeah. But I think like that's just like a huge tip that I have is just like focusing on what actually makes you feel good mm-hmm. food wise, body wise, clothing wise, like all of it, because nothing else is really in your control. <laughs> I love that advice. And because f- I had Sienna June 6th of last year and like in Florida, I mean, it's always fucking hot here, but like near the end, I was like, I only flowy dresses. Like there, there was no way I could put a pant on. Like it was just flowy dresses. Like, you know, the ones that are like tight here. And then like, you're just, it's just flowing in the wind needed to create some breeze down there. If you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the discomfort in general, and then you like layer on the heat. It's just, it's tough. So Jenna, tell us more pregnancy questions. And I keep going to Jenna because I know Lauren, you haven't like openly, or if you have a client, Lauren, that you've worked with that are pregnant, that you've seen common pregnancy questions. I think the biggest thing is like, there are so many rules in pregnancy, which can feel really hard for people with a background of restriction. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, the rules are very different for your health, but there are ways to bend them or apply them to yourself or find solutions, I should say. Um, And what I'm learning this second time around is like, I was an absolute psychopath about the quote unquote rules the first time around. And if that's where you are now, I'm holding space for you because I, you just want to do what's best for your baby and your body. And you know, all you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And I think what I learned, and I I think I've shared this before on an episode, but like I had this vivid memory of having an absolute breakdown over chemical sunscreen. Yes. Yes. About the ingredients in sunscreen, like sobbing in my car, um, being pregnant in the summertime the first time. I was like three months pregnant the first time around in the summer. And I remember one of my friends from college giving me the absolute best advice ever. Shout out to you, Allie, if you ever listen to this podcast. She was like, Jenna, what do you think the stress you're doing to yourself right now is doing to your baby? She's like, wear the fucking sunscreen or don't. (laughs) But like, you have to recognize that like the stress, just like in a food freedom journey, the stress that you're putting on this decision Mm -hmm. is actually way more harmful than the decision itself, right? In most cases. Like, obviously, 
within reason when you're pregnant, <laughs> but alcohol or <laughs> right, exactly. But like something like the makeup that you're wearing or, yes. you know, the hair products that you're using, the lotion, whatever it is, you know, yes, there are guidelines and recommendations, but also like the stress is really the one thing to focus on. Um, and that is what I am definitely focused on more this time around. I have a friend who's pregnant with her third and she said to me yesterday, she's like, can I have blue cheese? And I was like, I don't know, but I've been eating blue cheese. Like, are we? I, yeah. Like she is, she's as pasteurized. You know what I mean? Like people all the time will talk about like, don't eat cheese. Don't eat sushi. Don't eat lunch meat. I'm like, we're still following the lunch meat. Like it doesn't have listeria. Like you, I, I don't know. I, I always think, joke that like, if I'm getting it, like, so are you, Matt? I'm yeah. Like, so are you going like, eat it? <laughs> when you look at like the dietary guidelines of pregnancy and like how long ago those were created and like, mm-hmm. I, I just back to what you were saying, like, I didn't follow the rules, if you will. Yeah. And like, we're okay. We're, we're okay. okay. But I again, res- you got to do what's right for you and what feels comfortable. Yes. But like, I resonate with that so much, Jenna. Um, I think I had actually told Sam this, um, and maybe we want to put like a trigger warning on the beginning of this episode for this, but I had a miscarriage back over the holidays, actually. And when I first got pregnant, first time I was like, so like, okay, I need to switch out my hair products, my deodorant, my lotion, like every single thing that went on my skin. It was like this perfectionism that had once been applied to food that like is there to try to manage my anxiety. Like it, it's not there with food anymore, but let me use that perfectionistic all or nothing. Like it has to be, I have to do pregnancy perfectly to manage this anxiety. And so like going through that uh, that experience of miscarriage, like I started working with a therapist again. And like, that's something that her and I talk a lot about is like, you can't control everything. Like you like to think that you can. And again, like whether it's with dieting or it's, we're trying to change, like how our skin looks or like have the perfect pregnancy. Like it's all just trying to manage anxiety and to try to like hope it's usually about something else. And like you said, what is that stress doing to our body? You know, like that mindset is usually more detrimental than it is, you know, helping. And obviously it's like, do the things that feel aligned with your values and and your beliefs and all of that stuff. But if it's creating stress and creating, you know, chaos in your mind, like, is it helping or is it just making things worse? I don't know. Thank you so much for sharing that. I did not know that. And just thank you for sharing your story. And you couldn't be more dead on with what you're saying. Like the chaos in the mind translates to the chaos in the baby's mind, right? And so the best thing and the best advice I hope anybody takes away from this episode is your stress management skills are the best thing you can do in pregnancy. And, you know, the second time around, and we definitely will put a trigger warning on this episode because I had, you know, some abnormal things come up in my most recent scan that suck. Um, It's not fun. I haven't shared any of this publicly. Um, But the doctor said to me, she was like, here's the only thing I'm required by law to tell you this, but here's what I want you to know. I don't want you to Google anything. She was like, we will trust me, trust my advice, like blah, blah, blah. Like, but please don't Google anything. So for almost three weeks, I listened to her (laughs) for whatever fucking reason on Saturday or Sunday, Sunday, this past week, I was like, you know what? Like, why not? I was in this like dark hole for hours that I like couldn't get myself out of. I had to take the dog for a walk to like just get some air and just like clear my space and then like move on through it. And my husband said to me, and like I hadn't felt the baby kick like in those hours that I was like freaking the F out. Um, and he came over to me and he was like, let's do just like a mini like meditation. He's like, you don't even have to do anything. Like just let me do it. And he like would touch my stomach and the baby was like dancing. And it was like such a reminder that like, like you just said, like we don't have control over these things, but me thinking the worst is going to happen is not going to make this experience for the next 15 weeks 
hopefully, um, <laughs> like I need all the time I can get, um, you know, better for either one of us. Right. And so I thank you for sharing your story. And I think that advice goes so far that the stress management and the way that we can just like take care of ourselves mm-hmm. during this time is just so, so important. And that's going to look different for every single person. It could mean exercising. It could mean not. It could mean eating nothing but fiery hot Cheetos. It could mean having salads and fiery hot Cheetos, right? Like whatever that looks like for you is going to be so different, but yeah, it's just, there's no two pregnancies are the same, right? (laughs) Absolutely. And I just want to echo Jenna. Thank you for sharing that um, with us and feeling safe enough to share that here. And I would love to hear, um, you know, for I've shared on previous podcasts that I've gone through years of infertility, IVF, Lauren, I know you openly went through a round of egg freezing, but then you just also stated that you had a miscarriage you had lost before your pregnancy. Jenna, you've been through two pregnancies yourself. So for those listening who have experienced loss, but are now currently pregnant, what is um, something that you've maybe worked on in therapy or what has been like your cornerstone to keep you grounded during this pregnancy to not lose yourself in that fear spiral? I think just going back to like staying present, not trying to control every little thing, because that was like the biggest life lesson of like, I'm not in control. Sorry, I'm going to cry. Like you're not in control. You think that you are, but like, you're not, you can do all the right things, quote unquote, right things, but sometimes bad things just happen. So all you can really do is like, Show up for yourself each day. Thank Sorry, you. I'm always crying. <laughs> Don't apologize no. for emotions. And thank, thank you. And you. I couldn't agree more with you, Lauren. When I went through my first round of IVF, I can relate so much to what you guys were saying. It's interesting. I feel like that's like the first time I was in the fertility space, although mine was with infertility, not pregnancy. That's when I was in my hyper control mode, right? Because yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, I'm just going to do everything fucking perfect. Yep. We're going to do one round of IVF. We're going to get the embryo. We're going to transfer it. And I went through my first round of IVF and came out with zero embryos, $20,000 in the hole. And was like, they're like, oh, well, this might work next time. It might not. And I just remember being crushed. I mean, like I did everything perfect. How, how are we here right now? And that was what broke me to my core and made me start that journey. Now I'm going to cry. Just like the, the, we, we have no control. We, and it's like pregnancy is the one thing as a woman that like, you want to control it so fucking bad. Yep but we can't control it. So it's like letting go of that control and finding your support systems. And like you said, bringing it back to the present of just one day at a time, one minute at a time, truly. Mm -hmm. And I just can't even imagine like, as all of this like relates to body image and our worth and our beliefs and all of that stuff, it can feel like, um, you know, why is my body doing this? How come it's not working the way that it's quote unquote supposed to work? And like all of these like unhelpful thoughts that I would imagine like pop up or I know popped up for me during that time. And I think, like you said, it's, it's finding the support of people that you trust and knowing that like, although I found it kind of annoying when people would say how common miscarriages were like on one hand, it was like, yes, they are. And it, it was a little bit like, um, I don't want to say like diminishing, but like, it kind of feels like that a little bit where it's like, yeah, it's really common and it's really horrible, you know? And like, it fucking sucks. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess like knowing that other people are going through it without it being that like, oh, this happens a lot. So no worries kind of thing. Like brushed off. Right, yeah. right, right. It's the same. I think that is a huge parallel to body image. And it's something that I personally had a conversation with my husband about when my body, like in the beginning started changing because it, it changed so much faster this time around. Oh, yeah. Um, Like at like 10 weeks, I was like, I need new pants. <laughs> like I didn't need new pants until like more than halfway the first time around. And, you know, again, that's, 
just person to person. But I remember saying to him, like, if I share something about my body, like in these next couple weeks or months, like I'm not looking for you to tell me everything's great or that I'm beautiful or like whatever else my body's doing something amazing. You can just say, I'm here for you, or I hear you, you know, and just like hold space. Like we don't often need people to respond when we're sharing our feelings. Right. But sometimes people just don't get that. Like they don't understand how, and like in miscarriage, body image, any type of uncomfortable conversation, people sometimes just like want to make it better, but that's not necessarily what helps. Yeah. Cause I feel like that's grief, right? Cause it's like the grief of, of losing a baby or like the, like body image grief, right. That we talk about grieving the body or, or even, um, just using my own personal example of, of infertility, people will be like, Oh, but you're so young. I'd be like, fuck off, like actually fuck right off. Mm -hmm. So like, you know what I mean? Because, and I think it's because people don't know how to sit in the discomfort with us because they want to fix it or almost bring like that level of toxic positivity Mm -hmm. to make you feel better when it's like, no, the one thing that would make me feel better is if you just tell me how bad this sucks and that you're here. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's no, like, there's no quick fix for grief. You know, I'm sure you all see that with body image and it's, I think it's always coming from a good place. Like when I see a client struggling with their body image, like it, makes me so upset. Like I hurt for them. I'm like, I'm so sorry that you're feeling this way. And I want, like, I want to be able to take that away, but like, I can't do that. Just like someone can't take your grief away during that experience. You know, like the only thing that I think people can really do is like you said, like validate you and say that, that fucking sucks. I'm so sorry that that's happening. Such a important conversation today. Thank you for being so open with us. I think this is going to be helpful to so many people. Us three obviously know how vulnerable, not only a relationship with food, relationship with body, but also relationship to pregnancy, like these three relationships are. Um, so Lauren, for those listening, I know we did, we talked a lot about pregnancy today, but you are a certified intuitive eating counselor. You are a registered dietitian. Um, so you are killing it on social media yes, too, by you the way. are killing it. Um, you had me dying. Actually, a lot of your posts have been making me I want to pull them up. up lately. <laughs> the one this morning, I forgot to comment on it. I scrolled past it, but I did like it. But you were like, yeah, sex is great. But have you had sourdough toast with butter on it? And I was like, sure fucking have. Because have you treat- it's so good. Why is it so, so good? <laughs> good. So oh. good. So for those listening, where can they find you to go check out all things Lauren Cadillac? Yeah. So both, uh, Instagram and TikTok, I'm feel good dietitian. Um, and my website's laurencadillac.com. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of what the actual fork pod. We know there are a lot of pods out there and we are so grateful that you are here listening with us. So if you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to subscribe, like, share with all of your friends and faves, and don't forget to rate and review and let us know what you want to hear more of. The more we hear from you, the more that we can make these episodes exactly what you want. We would also love to connect with you on Instagram at what the actual fork pod. We promise to continue to bring you the hottest topics, greatest guests, and the most fun you can possibly have fighting diet culture bullshit. We love you, we appreciate you, and we will see you next week for more fun.